This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 160 of the Catholic Foodie, The Alligator and the Archbishop, A Lenten Tale. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we're talking about, believe it or not, alligator again. <laughs> the Alligator and the Archbishop. Come on now. Did you hear this one yet? Have you heard it? Have you heard about the Alligator and the Archbishop? <laughs> Talked about this a couple of episodes ago on the Catholic Foodie. You know, it all started on Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday of this year. Someone over at the Instigator Ranch and Hatchery posted a picture of a three-year-old letter on the Instigator Facebook page. The letter just happened to be from the Archbishop of New Orleans. And we'll talk about that right here, where food meets faith. That's right, that letter was from the most Reverend Gregory M. Amond, Archbishop of New Orleans. And in that letter, Archbishop Amond clarifies that it is A-OK to eat alligator on Fridays in Lent. <laughs> Boy, we folks down here, man, we, we're interesting, aren't we? We are some interesting folks down here. You know, as I wrote a couple of weeks ago, the Archbishop's letter was in response to an inquiry about whether or not Catholics could eat alligator on days of abstinence. And the simple answer is... Yes, they can. Uh, the Archbishop states that alligator is considered in the fish family, and it is considered seafood. But sometimes the simple answer doesn't really convey the full story, as we shall see, uh, as we shall see shortly. Uh, you know, it is fun. It is fun, though. You have to admit it. Uh, the whole story of uh, the alligator and the Archbishop's letter—it's fun. I mean, it's fun uh, in New Orleans. New Orleans is a fun place to live. It really is. And, uh, I mean, we have Mardi Gras. We have crawfish boils. We have Jazz Fest. We have about a gazillion fish fries on Fridays in Lent. And I've talked about all that in the past. We also have a bead of beer, which I've talked about in the past. Uh, not to mention the fact that New Orleans is known the world over for its cuisine. I mean, Alton Brown has stated that New Orleans is one of the three food meccas in the United States. I mean, that's a pretty big compliment coming from the king of good eats, I would think. Uh, now, you know, in my life, I've traveled. I've, I've lived in other countries and other states. And um, in my experience, no matter where I am, people are fascinated with New Orleans. There's a, a mystique about it. You know, of course, I've gotten all the standard questions from folks who have uh, never been here, like, um, do you guys or yunes, do yunes uh, really have alligators as pets? Uh, do you use a, a leash to take your pet alligator for a walk? <laughs> do you have to row a boat to work? Uh, do you need a license to drive your Piro? <laughs> All right, I made the last one up. No one's ever asked me that. But, you know, the point is that people are fascinated by New Orleans, and, and well, they should be. You know, New Orleans is a fascinating place. I remember not that long ago with the Mardi Gras parades, I had posted a picture on Instagram, and... Uh, a good friend of mine up, I think in New Jersey, if I'm not mistaken, Fred up in New Jersey, uh, made a comment. Uh, <laughs> one of the pictures was of the uh, the flambeau, right? The the guys who walk in the parades and they're carrying these um, uh, these big uh, uh, what do you call them? Golly, it's, it's flambeau. It's it's a big it's a huge torch is what it is, and it's it's, it's multiple pronged, right? It's a big long staff, and on the top of it, you've got these almost like a candelabra in a sense, you know, you've got five, six different flames up there, and, and it's all powered by kerosene, which these these guys in the parade carry on their back, okay? They carry this fuel 
on their back, and they're walking with these lanterns, these flambeaux, they're called in French, uh, which in the old days, right, way back when, before electricity, they used this to, to pave the way, to light the way for the parades. Well, nowadays, it's just a cultural carryover. We, we enjoy it. We like it. It's part of the parade, but we don't normally do this on a day-to-day basis. Uh, but his comment, which was I thought was just startling uh, for me, his comment was, wow, like open flame, open flame, open flame on the street, right? Open flame. To me, I didn't think twice about it. It, it, it didn't bother me. You know, this is just what we do. And, but, but to him and to I think a lot of people across the country, you see this picture and you go, wow, the first thing you think about is that's not safe. <laughs> that's not safe. You know, you got open flame. It's like, well, yeah, that that's that's right. And um, you know, we throw things from floats. Like, um, if you're at Zulu, they throw coconuts. If you're at uh, any Mardi Gras parade, they throw beads. They throw doubloons. They throw uh, all kind of crazy stuff from the floats. And that just doesn't happen anywhere else, right? Uh, you got beautiful, beautiful parades at Disney World. They would not be caught dead throwing anything from those parades. <laughs> it's dangerous, right? But in New Orleans, where you know Mardi Gras is king, and 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 it and it's it's the greatest free show on earth. It's it's the greatest party for the common person. Uh, we throw plastic beads and doubloons, and people go crazy for them. Uh, it's just uh, it's it's a different place. <laughs> it's just. A different place. That's just the way it is, and uh, but it but it's fascinating, and I, I love seeing the reaction of other people who are not from here, who are not exposed to it. it it's, it's just beautiful, beautiful to see. So you know, it, good news travels fast, and uh, I think fun news travels even faster. And I think that's what happened with this alligator story. I mean, it was all over the place. Really, it was all all over the place. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. What happens? You know, once you put it on Facebook, it goes. It was a three-year-old letter. It got on Facebook on this year, this year, for Ash Wednesday, and boom, next thing you know, uh, you have articles being written in, in, in Catholic uh, sphere, and the Catholic media sphere, all over the place. And in addition to that, you got news stories, right, radio stories. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But, you know, in, in a sense, I'm, I'm not surprised that the alligator news traveled so fast, you know. In, in in fact, I think it's a great thing that that it did. It's it's a fun story. Uh, New Orleans and all of South Louisiana is steeped in Catholicism, and uh, true, uh, often the Catholicism that you encounter here uh, is of the cultural variety. Nevertheless, there is at least a foundation, right? Um, it just takes a little fire in the heart, or perhaps a little fire under the butt, <laughs> to to get it going. And uh, by that, I mean that many folks down here are already culturally catechized, so when the Holy Spirit does zap them, they already have some kind of a foundation to stand on, at least at least that's my hope. You know, as this story developed, I took note of all the news stories across the Internet, and um, and I chuckled. You know, I wrote about that at, here on, on CatholicFoodie.com and also on Facebook, uh, and then I started getting the emails from radio folks. You know, I'm no stranger to radio. Uh, I've been privileged to be on several radio shows over the years, and it's always fun, and I always enjoy it. You know, I, can, uh, I, I can't I can say that um, 
that all the folks below, all the folks I'm about to mention to you right now, contacted me because of the alligator story, though I do know that one of them did. Uh, I just know that the alligator story was part of, of one of the things that, uh, that we talked about when I was on the following shows. And all these different shows really uh, happened over a period of about two weeks or so. Um, I had gotten emails. I had gotten invitations. I was on uh, the, the Kingdom Road, which is produced here locally. It's um, out of Baton Rouge on the, the Catholic Community Radio. Uh, the following days, back February 18th and 19th, the following day, I was on Wake Up Baton Rouge, the morning show there with uh, Catholic Community Radio. We talked about Alligator and, and the Archbishop and all of that. Uh, I was contacted. I was on uh, Iowa Catholic Radio's morning show back on uh, March uh, on March 4th. And then, uh, and then NPR, uh, Morning Edition, and I have to tell you that, tell you about that in just a minute. Um, and then finally, again on Catholic Community Radio's uh, Radiothon on March seventh. Uh, the NPR was on March fifth. You know, and, and we're talking radio here. You know, so it's not all recorded, but the NPR piece is available online. I'm gonna play a clip. I'm gonna play that clip for you in a, in a minute. Uh, Incidentally, though, the creative force behind this piece is Maureen McMurray, okay? Maureen, you know, I met her for the first time a few years ago when the Catholic guy, uh, the Catholic guy show, right, Lena Rooley, the Catholic guy came down, uh, he's on Sirius XM, he came down to New Orleans for Mardi Gras, and this was probably three, four years ago. He came down, Maureen was on the show at the time, Maureen was, I believe, the producer of the show at the time, uh, and I had the pleasure of, of meeting Maureen, we talked on the phone a few times before they came down. Uh, it was the first time they were coming down to New Orleans, so I, I, someone had given them my name that they they would maybe want to have me on the show while they're down here, and uh, she and I talked a few times before they got here, and then John and I drove. I made a gumbo. I did. I, I did. I went all out for Lino. You know, I knew he was coming down. They were staying, and I knew, this is like shock radio, <laughs> Catholic style, somewhat shock, not really, but you know, uh, Lino does kind of live on the edge a little bit, you know. He's a sinner. If you read his book, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but Lino came down. They stayed on Bourbon Street during Mardi Gras. Now, I have lived in Louisiana almost all my life. I, I, I did live out the state and even out the country for a couple of years, but I, I, I was born here. I was raised here. I grew up here, right? Um, I have never, <laughs> never, never, uh, until I got the invitation from Lino, never been on Bourbon Street on Mardi Gras Day, okay? Uh, but these folks decide from New York, right, they decide to come down to Mardi Gras in New Orleans. And over the Mardi Gras weekend, right, they were here for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They were here for um, uh, Endymion on Saturday and Bacchus on Sunday and uh, I guess, I don't know what they did on Monday, but uh, you know we do have the uh, Orpheus um, uptown on Monday, and then on Tuesday, I mean here they are in the quarter. They got a balcony and everything at the Bourbon Orleans, I believe they stayed, and and they've got people coming in and they're interviewing them on Lino's radio show, the Catholic guy. It was crazy, but you know they invited me to come and I, I went all out. I made a king cake from scratch and brought that and I made gumbo and I brought gumbo and I bought I brought um, some cayenne I brought some hot sauce I brought all kind of fun stuff trying to get Lino to expand his culinary horizons you know and uh, it was a ball we had we had a ball I think I even played uh, clips from that 
back when it first happened. I played that on the show here. If you don't have SiriusXM, maybe you heard that. But anyway, it was great. And uh, all of a sudden, a few weeks ago, uh, after this whole thing happened with the Archbishop's letter and, and, it, and you know, it was kind of in the media, Maureen contacted me. Maureen is down here now with her husband in New Orleans. They're here now I mean, for, for several months. And uh, she contacted me and said, hey, I'm doing a piece on the, uh, the, the, the letter, right? the Archbishop and the Alligator. Would you be available for an interview? And I said, well, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, first of all, just because it's fun. Secondly, I get to see you again. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. So she invited me to meet her at uh, the historic Parkway Bakery and Tavern down in New Orleans for lunch. And uh, guess what we ordered? It was not a Friday in Lent. But we ordered alligator po' boys. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was great. First of all, it was great to see Maureen. Really was just fantastic. It was a total pleasure. I wish that Char could have been with us. Um, but we're, we're supposed to get together again soon in a couple of weeks. French Quarter Fest is coming up. She's supposed to be there with her husband at French Quarter Fest, and I'll be there with Char and the kids. So uh, we hope to hook up then. But it was so much fun. And then secondly, uh, it was just fun to, to talk about this Right, the the letter and 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 uh, an alligator and Louisiana, South Louisiana culture and cuisine. It was just a it was just a ball. So, uh, without further ado, I want to play this clip for you. It's about four minutes long, but this thing aired on NPR's uh, Morning Edition on uh, March fifth. So let's take a listen and see what uh, what you think about it. The Lenten season is here, which for Catholics means abstaining from meat on Fridays. In most parts of the country, this rule is pretty clear-cut and easy to follow. Fish is okay, but no beef, no pork, no poultry. But in New Orleans, home to nearly 400,000 Catholics and the country's most inventive seafood dishes, the road isn't so clear. In fact, in New Orleans, the Lenten abstinence laws sometimes raise questions about what even counts as meat. Archbishop Gregory Michael Amond of New Orleans clarifies. For example, alligator. Since alligators are reptiles and therefore cold-blooded, their flesh does not count as meat. Yes, you heard that right. Alligator is A-OK to eat on Fridays during Lent. Other reptiles that could presumably be, be counted on Lenten Fridays would be a turtle's Snakes, if you like to eat snake. While this declaration may raise eyebrows, Archbishop Amon is in a unique position to field these seemingly unorthodox culinary questions. Not only does he lead the archdiocese, but he is also the first native New Orleanian to serve as archbishop. Most people wouldn't even think of these things, but because of New Orleans and its uh, great affinity for seafood and its availability for seafood, it, it becomes a question that arises pretty much every year. So, with its abundance of seafood and delicious reptile, New Orleans seems to be the ideal place to be a practicing Catholic during Lent, right? Well, not exactly. Quite frankly, um, and I can say this because I'm from New Orleans, having to fulfill this law or this guideline of penance, of abstinence, of meat on Friday is no sacrifice whatsoever. (laughs) That's the reality of it. Uh, the same at the alligator. Two, 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 two alligator yeah. alligator. Right. This question of what constitutes meat during Lent is something that informs Friday menus and palates all over the region. Catholic food writer Jeff Young, also known as the Catholic Foodie, explains over alligator po' boys at New Orleans' historic Parkway Bakery. This place is unique. 
I mean, you know, you, you realize that even non-Catholics in the New Orleans and South Louisiana areas abstain from meat on Fridays just because this is such a densely Catholic area. I mean, the names of the streets are, are, are named after uh, saints and churches. I find it fascinating because, you know, you got people down here, Cajuns, they've been eating alligator on Fridays and Lent for forever. <laughs> Even though Cajuns have been eating it forever, and the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops says it's okay to eat alligator on Fridays during Lent, it's still a gray area for some. Now, alligator is not cheap. That's the thing. I would not personally eat alligator on Friday. But again, is it, you know, is the question really what's permissible? You're going to be having catfish. Uh, nice size helping of macaroni and cheese, potato I visited salad. the Friday Fish Fry at St. Mary's of the Angels Church in New Orleans' Upper Ninth Ward to ask parishioners if they'd like to see alligator added to the Lenten menu. Green vegetable. The rather large uh, menu. Salad, a uh, piece of cake, and a piece of bread, and free bottle of water. Okay. Most parishioners were surprised and pleased to hear that alligator was okay. Alligator will go good because if they know how to fry it or fix it, yeah, well, it'll go good with the meal. Who's going to cut him up and get him to the table? <laughs> alligator comes from the water, so that's just like shrimp, crab, fish. Yeah, turtle, too. I love to have some breaded alligator and breaded cauliflower. That's what I eat, baby. i got to stop laughing about alligator and fish fries. While the question of alligator is certainly curious, Archbishop Amen wants to remind Catholics of the true meaning of Lent. I think it's important that we remember that abstinence and fasting is supposed to be a sacrifice. It's not just fulfilling that command, but it's more importantly that we do it so that we hunger more for God. But if Archbishop Amond was hungering for alligator, how would he like it prepared? I eat alligator, but um, alligator piquant is a good dish. Sometimes, I, I always joke and say, sometimes I'd prefer not to know it's alligator, <laughs> and it tastes better that way. For WWNO, New Orleans Public Radio, I'm Maureen McCurry. I hunt the gator all night long, sail his time, and I'm gone. Pretty bells from the bio shame, love me, alligator man. I'm a verified man. Tell me, tell me, tell me that's not fun. <laughs> Is that fun or what? Oh, my goodness, that's fun. Uh, she did a fantastic job. Thank you so much, Maureen, for uh, inviting me to, uh, to to be part of that uh, that story. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a pleasure to see you again. I look forward to seeing you again in a couple of weeks at the French Quarter Fest. I can't wait. That's going to be a lot of fun, too. Now, you know, uh, radio, right? Radio. Radio is not podcasting, uh, two different things completely. Uh, although when I'm recording podcasts, I, I try my best to uh, do it as if it were a radio show. Uh, I, I don't want to do much post-editing. That, that takes time. I, I don't have a whole lot of time. Uh, but sometimes, you know, it, it, you just have to. Uh, but with radio, oftentimes you don't have that luxury, right? The radio is live, and um, invariably, whenever I'm on the radio, I always feel like there's something that I left unsaid uh, or didn't clarify or didn't explain well enough. And uh, that, that's, well, that's, 
<laughs> just the way it works, right? One, at one moment, you're talking about one thing, and then before you're able to complete a thought, the conversation takes another turn. That happens in our daily conversations all the time. It's no different on radio. And uh, with normal conversations, usually I just drop it because it's not that important, or if it is, it'll come up again at some other time. So I just really can't worry about that. But when I, when I record a podcast, if I overlook something, I can either, you know, if I don't, if I forget to say something, I can either overlook it, or I can go back and record something and then paste it in. That's possible. I could do that. Uh, but with radio, there's no going back, right? There's no going back. And so there are two things here that I wish that I would have said regarding Alligator on the different radio shows that I appeared on over the last uh, few weeks. Um, not just Alligator, but also about Lent in general, abstinence and fasting. You know, I had a great conversation with the folks over at uh, Catholic Community Radio uh, last week during the Radiothon. That was on March 7th, I believe. And at one point, I was talking about my my experience of Lent as a child, you know, like fish sticks and fried shrimp and fried catfish and all that kind of stuff. And that after my conversion, you heard this, a little bit of this, from Archbishop Amen a, a moment ago. Um, after my conversion experience at the age of 15, when all this Jesus and religion stuff became real, you know, I started to wonder, like, how is eating all this delicious seafood on Fridays and Lent a sacrifice, right? <laughs> how is this a sacrifice? Yeah, I really had a hard time with that for a while. I was young, I was idealistic, and I just had a hard time. And, you know, I stated that when I was talking to the folks on on the Radiothon, uh, but I didn't really get to finish my thought. I, I, I got, you know, the conversation just took a different turn. Now, thankfully, I had to say, thankfully, my friend David Dawson there with Catholic Community Radio did bring up what I wanted to say. Um, you know, it was about the Knights of Columbus because down here we have Catholic churches everywhere, all right? It's just everywhere. In New Orleans, you sometimes you'll find Catholic churches across the street from each other because you had different communities, ethnic communities in different neighborhoods that they didn't associate. And so they had their own church, they had their own priests, they had their own masses, but they were literally literally across the street. Um, so you have Knights of Columbus in all these parishes, and in South Louisiana, all across, from New Orleans to Lafayette, Lake Charles, all across South Louisiana, you have fish fries in virtually all these churches, all right? And uh, you, you, can, you, can't, you can't step outside and throw a rock without hitting a fish fry down here. It's, it's, it's that ridiculous, okay? Uh, but, but here's the thing. Uh, although when I was a child and when I was uh, in high school and having my conversion experience and, and had a hard time with all this delicious seafood on Fridays, here's the thing. This is what I didn't get to say, but Dave, Dave Dawson brought it up, okay, is that the Knights of Columbus are doing extremely, extremely valuable charitable works. And you know, on the surface, the fish fries don't look very sacrificial. However, a deeper look reveals two things, right? Number one, the folks who attend the fish fries are indeed meeting the church's requirements for abstinence. So who am I, who am I to judge, okay? First of all, they are meeting the requirements. So who am I to judge? Secondly, those fish fries are fundraisers that allow the Knights of Columbus to continue to provide an amazing amount of of charitable work locally and beyond. And that 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 is worth the sacrifice, right? I mean, I can eat some delicious seafood to know that I'm supporting the Knights of Columbus and the great work that they're doing. And uh, again, that was something I had wanted to say but didn't get a chance to, but I'm very thankful that my friend Dave Dawson did bring that up uh, 
in that conversation with Catholic Community Radio. Now, another thing that I wanted to bring up, and this is more toward the um, the story that I that I did with Maureen. You know, I, the conversation is funny. You know, we we had a, we were having lunch and talking and recording this interview, and then we we talked for probably over an hour. You know, but the way that the the story goes, you can only use so much stuff. Now, um, one one of the things that uh, that I had mentioned earlier is that the the alligator story is fun, right? At least for us down here, you know, it makes you think. You know, we can. Why can we eat this and not that? It, it, it may not always make sense to us on the surface, but it does make us think. Now, unfortunately, I did not have the chance to address the fundamental questions when it comes to fasting and abstinence. You know, like, what is it all about? Why sacrifice at all? And I think that Archbishop Amen really brought that up. Uh, but I, I, I wanted to say something about that, too. I just never got a chance to. But ultimately, it really is all about love, right? Love is, by its very nature, self-giving. Uh, there, there's just so uh, there's so much that can be said about this, but um, for now I'm just going to state the basics, right? The basics are John says in his first letter, God is love, period. God is love. That's 1 John 4, 8. God pours himself out in love completely. God is total self-gift. That's why, um, uh, that's why Jesus' life could not have ended any other way, right? As the God-man, Jesus had to give it all, every last drop of his blood, and all of his spirit. And for us, you know, fasting and abstinence is an opportunity to break away from the things that tend to consume us on a daily basis and to focus our attention and love completely on God. It's not really about the rules. And that's what I was saying. You know, it's not the question of what's permissible, right? It's not a question about what's permissible. I, I guess really it's, it's a question of love, of what, what we should do because of love, out of love. Uh, it's not about the rules. It's about it's not about earning God's grace. It's not we have to follow these rules so that we earn God's grace and we're in His good favor. It's not about that at all. It's rather, it's about us putting to death the self-love, right, the pride in our hearts, and directing our hearts to the One who loves us so much, right, to the One who saves us. So, in a nutshell, that's what sacrifice is all about. And our sacrifices are meant to help us to grow in love for God and for one another. Wow, boy, that was a good soapbox. I need to get me more than soapboxes. That was wonderful. And that, that's some of the stuff I wish I would have said before, and I'm glad I got to say it here, and I hope it was helpful to you. Uh, now, what what about you, by the way? What about you? How's Lent going? You know, we don't have that much longer. How's Lent going for you? Any special sacrifices this year? Are you growing in love? Those are wonderful questions, things to ponder and think about. But guess what? You can also give me a call at 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974. Leave me some voice feedback. Uh, you can also uh, uh, record voice feedback on your iPhone or Android as an MP3, po- uh, M- MP3 file or some other kind of an audio file and email that to me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. And that way I could play your voice feedback right here on the show. That'd be a lot of fun. Please think about doing that. You can also leave a comment over at catholicfoodie.com in the show notes for this episode over at catholicfoodie.com. Join me over at Facebook too, facebook.com slash catholicfoodie. I'd love to connect with you over there too. And, uh, you know, we're about done with this episode. I do have another important message for you, so stay tuned, stay tight, hang tight with me right here, and I'll be back in, in just a moment. Hey, fans of SQPN, I'm Father Roderick, and you guessed it, I am here in the Vatican, 
And over there, the balcony, that is where the new pope will appear at the end of the conclave. I'm right here to cover all that for you. But at SQPN, we need your help. As you know, we are in the middle of our Lenten fund drive, our giving campaign. And I hope that you want to support us for the next year. We are trying to raise about $50,000 in order to continue and to do even, even more because there's such a need right now in these exciting times for the church, for the future of the church. There's such a demand and I see it every day. People who don't know much about the church, who don't know much about the Catholic faith. And as SQPN is a new media organization, we're using the latest technology and all those social networks to get in touch with them and to reach out with engaging and inspiring programs. We cannot do that without your help. So if you want to help out, I invite you to go over to sqpn.com slash donate and become a sponsor, become a fan that also supports us in a, in a financial way enabling us to make to continue to make these programs. Um, you can do that with a one-time donation, especially you millionaires who are definitely looking for your help, but you can also sign up for a monthly donation for a small amount every month. You know, the, the value of a cup of coffee that you might not even think about. All those little gifts also help us uh, if, we, if we bring it all together as a community and we can do marvelous things with that. So thank you so much for supporting our giving campaign. And I hope to see you a lot more times here in Rome, in the Vatican, or anywhere on the planet with great programs and podcasts and videos from sqpn.com. Thank you so much for being a fan. Please do support SQPN doing wonderful work across the world for the Catholic faith. And uh, I support them monthly. I invite you to do the same. Uh, you can find out more over at sqpn.com. And, you know, thank you so much for being here with me this episode of The Catholic Foodie. I've really enjoyed it. I've had a good time. I hope, I hope that you have, too. And uh, please do stay tuned for the next episode of The Catholic Foodie, which will be coming your way very soon. So, uh, well, until next time, bon appétit.